Hi, this is Siri McKenzie. I've written a book, Complete Guide to the Enneagram, which is a modern approach on self-discovery and connecting well with others. This book is for anyone looking to unlock your potential for growth, success, and self-discovery while also understanding the people around you better. Go ahead and pre-order the book available in the show notes. Hope you enjoy it. I am back with Sierra McKenzie, and we were diving into the fourth pillar of this Enneagram series, and we are talking about play, and I'm so excited to have you back. Hi, thank you so much for having me back. I'm so excited to be here again. <laughs> this, is, this is great. I feel like we've been covering so much stuff, and I'm I'm learning a ton, So, and I feel like I was actually very knowledgeable about Enneagram, so I'm really hoping that people are learning a lot here. I love that because I... Every time I talk about this more, I'm like, oh, wow, I actually haven't thought about it like this before either. So it's great. Ah. I feel like I learned a lot just from conversing with you. So thank you. Yeah, <laughs> we're all learning stuff. Awesome. Okay. So I want to jump into just like one, my overarching question of like, what qualities do each type have that they can offer and friendships in general? Absolutely. So I think when you're looking at friendship in general, and that's just what play is, it's one of those things that we start out with when we're kids. It's one of the four pillars. Um, we want to look at how we develop our relationships and our and our friendships. So I think one thing that I wanted to go through um, was just each type really briefly and then what they bring to the table, mm-hmm. if that's all right with you. Yeah, let's do it. Of course. So type one, they run on the pillars of responsibility and trust. Any kind of manipulation, they want to know what you that you say what you mean and basically that you mean what you say. They're very black and white, as we know. Um, so honestly, they're the ones, responsibility, trust, that's what they offer, that's what they bring to the table. Um, so if you want stability in a relationship, that's the one. <laughs> okay. They don't normally change. Um, type two... They're very generosity-based. They're very warm, caring people. So they want open. They want really appreciative relationships. So they mm-hmm. want room for affection, laughter. They want authenticity. That's what they bring to the table as well. It's important to like when you're thinking about these types specifically, they bring to the table what they want in a relationship or in a friendship. So it's actually quite funny. It's that old adage like if you want to um, be a friend, oh, if you want to have a friend, be a friend. And so okay. it's interesting that a lot of these – types specifically what they want in a friendship are also the qualities that they bring to a friendship as well mm-hmm. um, so if you want someone that's very warm and friendship oriented then you'll have a two um, if you want someone that's really going to tell you how it is that's a one or if you need someone that's really going to tell you how it is and you have someone who's a type one in your life you know what I mean like you're going to yeah. have all those types that balance. Now, yeah. if you don't know a person's type, but you know like certain characteristics of theirs, doesn't matter what type they are. I think that's something that I will harp on every episode <laughs> that we mm. talk. You don't need to know what each person's type is yeah. to understand that they are adding value to your life in some way. Um, okay. Someone might say, oh, I get along better with the, like I'm always like, oh, I really get along well with like sevens and um, threes and eights. Like I love those kind of people and I gravitate towards them. But I also yeah. know that they were sevens and eights and threes for the first two, two thirds of my life. You know, like I didn't understand that they right. were eights and threes until way later. And it's funny because you're going to have those natural patterns that you, you gravitate towards and those natural people that you gravitate towards as well. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So type threes are very enthusiastic. They have like a shared ambition um, and that's what they want in a relationship. They want to be running and then have you running alongside of them. Not necessarily the same goals, but the same level of motivation. Um, and that's what they also bring to the table. So it's all about admiration, determination, hard work, um, and honesty. Like you don't want to suck up to them and they don't want to suck up to you. They want to be honest as it is as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Type fours offer a lot of creativity and depth. These are the people that you have a really good heart to heart with. Um, they're not really looking for the very shallow, like, hi, how are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? Like, they don't really, they don't care. They brush past that kind of stuff. They don't want the gossip. They want the authenticity. They want the understanding. They want, I guess, like, more imaginative kind of discussions. They're visionaries. Um, and that's what they bring to the table as well. They need their feelings acknowledged. 
they need to be validated, but they also bring yeah. such a depth of feeling. Yeah. So type fives are always about originality and um, I think learning more about the world around them as we have said before, and we'll go into this in a little bit. They're all about the stance of withdrawing. They, they tend to withdraw a little bit in how they approach things. So I think it's really important um, to respect their alone time and their privacy. They, they don't want to be overburdened by, by people or relationships that might feel clingy to them because they, they need their personal space. Right. Um, and I remember growing up, I used to be friends with a girl who was a five and I, and I didn't know that she was a five and I thought that she just hated me and it made me really want to be her friend because, oh. you know, wing eight child, I'm like, you don't like me? All right. Well, I guess I'm going to hang around and make you like me eventually. <laughs> <laughs> and it took maybe two or three years for her to open up. But I remember like mm. when we were kids, we would run around and play and then we'd do that for 20, 30 minutes and then she would go inside and sit on the couch and read her book. And I was like, did I offend you? Like what happened? But it was just, it's just how she functioned. She had to have, she had to have her alone time. Um, And so I think if you are aware of someone like this, who you're like, maybe feel like they're inconsistent or they, they seem like they're around, but then they shut down really quickly and kind of turn themselves off. Like, it's really important to note like, um, maybe it's not me. Maybe it's them. Maybe it's the way that they function. And, um, and that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all okay. about the respect aspect of that. Um, type sixes are very loyal. They're called the loyalist slash skeptic for a reason. Um, they're all about reliability. They're all about the humor. Because, again, we chatted a little <laughs> bit about um, the the amount of comedians who are six wings. So <laughs> right. The light of the uncontrollable things in their world when they're healthy. Yeah. Um, but sixes really need people who reassure them of what their value is. Um, yeah, so they often worry about trivial mistakes, and, um, I think one of the most vital things that sixes need in friendships is, is trust, and they like it when they can see everything, and when their cards are on the table, and when their friends are on the table as Uh well. Okay. So jumping back into the seven, the sevens we know are all about the variety, spice of life, they want the friendships that are genuine, but also exciting, like someone they can sit down and have a coffee with, but then literally go skydiving with and plan the next latest, greatest adventure. Yeah. Um, so they don't want to box them into schedules. They don't want someone to box them into commitments. They don't want someone to, to stick them with a routine essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and they want to engage with the people around them to have the adventure. And so they're going to bring the stories. They're going to share the stimulating conversations. They're going to share all the interests and experiences with somebody. And um, the sevens don't want friends that are all carbon copies of them. Like they don't want it's funny because I think that there are certain friendships that vibe well with others mm-hmm. and then there are certain friendships, like certain types that maybe, and this is all like very generalized, right? sevens and other sevens, I wouldn't say are the best pairings to get along with. Is that because like they want to be the, I don't know if life of the party is the right word, but like they kind of want to be that like person that like kind of gets everybody going versus like yeah. if they're competing with everybody else that's doing it. Yes. Okay. So I think it's really important to note that sevens don't want friends that are all the exact same as they are. Um, and I think it comes down to that level of competition, kind of like you said, like you're going to have one seven who's like, let's do this and this and this. And then we plan this adventure and they're telling their story and they're vibing. And then all of a sudden you have another person in the room who's equally a seven. And this is based on subtypes and stance and all this kind of thing. But we don't want them also saying, oh, but we did this and this and this and this because then it's that element of competition. The seven feels like they've split themselves in two just a little bit. And it's just not mm. – mm, it's just not an incredible relationship, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> and that obviously depends on levels of health as well. Okay. okay. So type eights are – they have that compulsion to fight for their freedom and be as self-reliant as possible. So they want friendships with people who respect their independence – um, but who can also be completely trusted. Um, yes, because we do. It's that whole thing where if eights feel like they are in a relationship with a pushover in or friendship or in a friendship, excuse me, or in a friendship with a pushover, mm-hmm. um, they're like, okay, cool. So if it's so easy for me to me to say something and for you to agree with it how easy is it going to be for somebody else to say something completely opposite and for you to agree with it and it kind of takes them out of that 
space of safety. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, eights still want that safety, even as even as much as they want to fight for what they believe in. Um, and so when it comes to proving their vulnerabilities, they need to really prove that they are trustworthy to a type eight. Um, mm-hmm. any, any person needs to prove that they're going to be trustworthy to a type eight. Yeah. Um, would you add anything to that as a type eight? <laughs> yeah, I think something that really sticks um, out to me and I've, I've probably happened more so like I've noticed it I would say maybe getting out of college because I obviously you wouldn't value friendships but I think in college it was more like you know everybody's kind of more quantity over quality and I really value quality friendships and so I something I've always noticed is if say I'm in a group with friends and let's say it's me and like friend a and then there's like another group here and friend b doesn't really jive with that group but friend a and myself and b hang out separately if that group starts talking about friend b i i will speak up and say you know why i don't feel like say like your friend b like i don't feel like sierra's like that at all like she's always been a good friend to me and blah 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 blah. and if i notice that friend a is kind of going along with it like oh yeah she can be like that and kind of just going with the flow just to like appease that group it's going to really like stick in my head because I'm going to wonder, you know, is there a group that maybe that friend hangs out with where they're talking about me and you're going to do the same things. Like I really pay attention to those things because I don't want to just flow with the, with the wind because you, you know, it's like whatever you're doing about like someone you're claiming as your friend in front of me, you can easily do that to me. So I want to make sure that I'm proving to be a good friend. Like number one for myself, because I want to be a good person, but also it's like, if I'm doing that to this group, how would any of them also think like I would be a good friend to them as well? So like, that's a really big thing that sticks out to me of like that loyalty and like making sure that they're a really good friend and not being like, you know, just changing based on the people that you're around. 100%. I agree with everything that you just said, because it's so true. Like I think about like the times where I've heard someone start gossiping behind someone and I'm like, look, why don't you go talk to them about it? Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense to me. It just kind of prickles something in me and I get a little bit yeah. prickly. People don't like it. <laughs> I'm like, look, why are you talking about so-and-so? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, like if you have a problem with them, go talk to them, you know, or yeah. don't talk to me about them. Why are you talking about them behind their back? They have no way to defend themselves. Like there's no, there's no trust there. And as you said, it sticks in your head and you're like, okay, cool. What have I done that you're going to bring up with everybody else now? Um, yeah, it's a lot. You don't want to, you know, <laughs> you don't need that in your life. There's too yeah. much going on. Or, you know, it makes you think of like certain friends where you say you have two best friends, they're not friends anymore. And it's like, Oh, let me tell all their business now that I'm not friends with them anymore. You know? And it's like, yeah, but you were friends with them at the time that they told you these things. So it's kind of yeah. like, I, like, I just don't want to be around people where it's like the, the, crest of their conversations has to be around like based on other people like what else can we like have a talk about yes. here that's not about like mm-hmm. other people and like gossiping and things like that so that's something I always pay attention to because I'm not just looking at how obviously I care about how you're a friend to me but how you're just a friend to people in general because that is essentially how you are going to be a friend to me exactly yeah so good so good it's really important I think for us to realize that and recognize that in our own lives mm-hmm. um yeah. And that comes with knowing ourselves well too. Knowing like, hey, this is the kind of headspace I'm in and and this is how I'm feeling today. And it's not really a technique of being so self-oriented, but it is. Like we were talking about, you need to know how you function and know how you love yourself um, in order to love others well and understand others well too. You need to be in your best sphere. Um, yeah. yeah, no, that's, that's a good point because it's not to say like, we all have our flaws. It's not to say I've never done that. And then if I ever have, I'll realize in that moment, like, what am I doing here? Like, this is not the person I want to be. And then I will address that. Like I, yeah. you know, had like a situation with a friend who's not friends with someone else anymore. And I, I feel like I handled it properly, like trying to be neutral. But I even said like, if there was a situation where maybe I didn't seem so neutral, like just making sure I'm apologizing to all parties, because I felt like I was as neutral as as I possibly could be. But again, you never know how something could come across to someone, you know? And it's just like, if you're trying to maintain that friendship, you don't want to say anything that's going to make it even make someone think that you're doing something malicious or anything like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Really good points there. Um, okay. So the type nine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize too. We just, I'm having a random thunderstorm. So if you're hearing anything crazy happen in the background oh I can't hear anything 
Okay, great. <laughs> it's like the it's quiet center star okay. on my on my side. Love yeah, that. I love that for you. <laughs> and it's funny because meanwhile here in LA, it's like super sunny outside. I have my air blasting, and I'm like almost sweating. It's hot out there right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was. I think it was like in the. I mean, I'm sure you're kind of used to different weather too out there, but I think it was like 50s, like in the first half of the day. Now it's like probably like 85. That's crazy. So our seasons are completely opposite of everybody else's. Um, So we're, we're autumn technically at the moment, but it's going into winter. And so woke up this morning and it was like 40 something. And now it's like 62, 63, but you know, we're still at like 80% humidity. So <laughs> Ooh, the humidity is bad. Is that, is that your preference though? Like I'd love fall winter. Like I hate being hot. I think, okay. That's what's funny is I hated summer until I moved here because summers here are like the highest. I think anything gets is maybe like 85, 90 on a really hot day. That being said, I live relatively close to the coast. It gets really, really warm when you're in the center of Australia. Um, okay. like pretty much unlivable but um oh wow I love summers here because it's, it's not yes, like bad humid, but I grew up in like 115 degree weather half the time in Palm Springs and so like oh right palms oh yeah <laughs> and so I was always like summer ew disgusting and loved the fall winter seasons because you know just everything about it okay but now I'm like ew fall winter cold because we also get the arctic yeah. blast <laughs> like <laughs> okay yeah that that switch of like lo- like your environment makes total sense I was just in Palm Springs in January and it was like high 50s low 60s and I just still have it on my weather app for some reason like just curious what the weather's like and I saw yesterday it was like 107 I'm like, yeah. not going there anytime soon <laughs> no please don't save yourself yeah don't. and that's in May so gosh 115 <laughs> oh brutal yeah there was one summer it was like 130 and it was like for two days, I think it was like a record for 20 years. And I was like, yeah, my air con would be broken right now. Like check. Oh out. my goodness. Um, How do you good. live? It's like, do you just get out of your car and like run in the house? Like one yeah. <laughs> pretty much. That's how you live. <laughs> I, like my mind can't even process one thirty. Wow. No, nasty. It's gross. Oh. Okay. Anyways, I'll type nine. I'm excited to hear about your, yes. Type nine. Here we go. <laughs> So type nines are extremely accepting. They want to give other people to be themselves without judgment. So they're really benefit of the doubt people. Um, but at the same time, they need friends who kind of see them as they are instead of um, seeing them as like the pushover or someone who can't really make up their mind because they want to make sure everybody else is happy and thriving in, in what they want as well. Um, and so what they really need from a friendship is people to um, show appreciation for their understanding of them but also to call out hey so what do you want to do what do you want to do because remember type nine's like childhood wound is that their voice wasn't necessarily validated their voice wasn't necessarily heard well um Mm -hmm. and so they're constantly in their heads about oh maybe my opinion doesn't necessarily matter either and so and obviously all of these are levels of help but they bring a lot of in their friendships nines really bring a lot of peace and understanding to the table but they need friends who are equally able to draw their opinions out of them. And that comes with trust and time as well. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So, oh, were you going to say something else? Nope. <laughs> okay. Okay. So with that being said, I want to talk about how these types, because it sounds like there were some similar similarities between eight and nine and you saying that they are looking for or want friends that kind of also know what they want like are not going to be pushovers but it sounds like nines might be a little more like willing to put themselves on the back burner to make sure that other people are are getting to that point right yeah okay so how would you say that these types then balance one another in friendships like is there a major difference between you know say a, a one and a four when it comes to like their dynamic in a relationship versus like an eight and a nine or something yeah, definitely. I think um, I think a lot of what we like just reviewed about what people need from each other, more particularly, mm-hmm. um, certain types won't necessarily get along as well. Um, but then again, a lot of it has to do with two levels with the levels of health. Like two eights might clash more than I don't know two fives because they'll be in more of a power stance, and mm-hmm. a type five might be in more of a withdrawn stance. So um, two eights are probably going to get into it a little bit more. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, And also like how they're healing as well, because if we think about all of us, we're not going to ever be in a state of wholeness and perfection, I think on, on this side. And, 
Um, so I think if we're operating from that stance and that function, we're we're functioning from a place of wholeheartedness for ourselves and wholeheartedness for other people and wholeheartedness for um, God or the spirituality in our lives. And they all fit and work together. Like I'm a really strong believer in like mind, uh, mind, body, spirit, how it mm-hmm. all functions together. Yeah. Um, so I think if we're looking at um, major differences from Enneagram types in a relationship, I think that just as long as you have a base level of trust in the other person, um, kind of as you mentioned, there are certain – like. Nines want to be friends with everybody, so we're going to find common ground with everybody, whether that's like we both like tacos or we both suffered from the same kind, like very in-depth topics. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just how certain types function. But then there are other types. You had me at tacos. (laughs) Huh? So you had me at tacos. (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Come on now. Oh, yeah. But there's that like base level of – where we can build from. And, and obviously like there are some friends that will jump right into it. And then there are other friends that, you know, you get to know each other over time. And then you have this really deep appreciation for the surface level as well as the in-depthness. Um, so I think that there are certain types that would fit together well, but I think just as long as you have confidence and trust and, and compatibility with the other person based on your experience with them, not necessarily based on their perceived type or Enneagram type, then, then you've got a good basis for play yeah. right there. Okay. Which sounds very similar, um, to when we discussed it in the relationship or like the love episode, right? It's like, yeah, it all builds on each other. Okay. Yeah. So like, yeah. like reiterating your point of like having that, um, like willingness to understand that everyone's different, like communicate, not every, like, not everyone's going to be the same, obviously, like these types, it can, it's like more general, but like knowing with that, that we're all going to be different, like that helps not kind of create a divide. Mm-hmm. All right. So how can we focus our attention on what we can give to our friends based off their type instead of what we can gain from them? So when I first saw the question, I loved it. Um, and this one really, I think I said to you before, it really made me stop and think about things because I think just as we were saying, like, all the previous pillars really build on each other. Um, But I'd say we're in a relationship. Like, obviously, it's different from a love relationship um, with our peers. But it's equally important for us to show them love and to show love we have to open ourselves up. So it's all about loving me and my weakness. And I'm saying that to you. So I say, Lana, love me and my weakness. um, Mm -hmm. And I'll love you and your weakness as well, if you will. So there's a particular list of vulnerabilities I have written down that we can see in our friendships. Um, that we love them through. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying stay in like a toxic relationship by any means, please do not do that. Um, (laughs) But what I am saying is that you can't be in any friendship or relationship or otherwise that is only ever good. You know what I mean? Like there will be aspects to each of us where we feel like someone else has wronged us or maybe hurt us to a certain aspect, to a certain point. But we also have to understand that we've hurt someone else and perhaps unknowingly. Um, and so I think at the root of everything is the necessity to understand that people are people before they are a type. So you can't fixate on someone just because you want to. So for example, to say to two type twos who potentially could clash off of how well they want to show affection to each other, um, two type nines who might sit with each other a bit too long and then become exhausted, (laughs) I'd say like, be grateful for the differences in your types as well as the similarities. Um, and knowing each type's vulnerable spots and granting that you're not a sociopath, and I trust you're not. If you're, listening. <laughs> uh, I'm not scared. You just met me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you never know, right? <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. She just fell off the Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> but knowing like each type's vulnerabilities, it's like a really helpful tool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think, like, to digress, like, I'm not all about speaking your truth because we've made it completely subjective and to our own point of view, which is why I think there are so many petty arguments in the world. But yes, um, I think – who was it? Uh, We talked about her recently. Brene Brown. She's probably one of my heroes. She says something along the lines of how truth and courage aren't always comfortable, but they're never weakness. And Mm. she either proceeds that or follows that up with, like, vulnerability sounds like truth. Um, and feels like courage. So anyways, I thought I would just run through how each type feels when they're feeling vulnerable and how you're able to um, kind of 
help speak into that as their friend as well. So if we're cool with that, I'd love to just run through those really quickly. So granted that you're not a sociopath, uh, <laughs> type one, I think when they're willing to admit that they're wrong is a really big stance of vulnerability for them because ones are always about doing things right and doing things well. So when they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I was wrong. All of a sudden, I think the connection grows a little bit deeper for them. Um, okay. They put themselves in that place. Type two, when they want to discuss their own needs, that is when you know that there has been some breakthrough that has happened. <laughs> because type oh. needs want to take care of you. They don't necessarily want to feel like they need to be taken care of. But when you've broken through to them enough where they want to discuss what they need and their friendship or their relationship, that's when you know they're in a stance of vulnerability. Okay. Um, type three, when they talk about how they don't meet the mark, when they don't measure up. Because again, type threes are all about perceptions. They want to be perceived as being a successful human being. They want to know like that they're validated in, in what they do. And when they say, hey, look, I don't feel like I really hit the mark on this. That's them saying, hey, I'm not flawless. Take your shot if you need to. Um, yeah. Again, it's opening themselves up. Um, and I go through all of these in a lot more depth in my book eventually as well. So when you're going through each type, they talk a lot about how – each type has vulnerability and trigger points for, for them, yeah. and um, how you can have more consistent comfortability and relationship with those types um, when they become vulnerable. Because oh. when each type becomes more vulnerable, you have a lot more room for connection there. Okay, not everybody's perfect. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to dive into that part of the book. Okay, um, so type four is when they express how their thoughts make them feel. So if we remember, like type fours are really in their heads about things. Um, and it's not a bad thing or a good thing. It's just that that's just how they function. Um, and so when they're actually able to translate into words, how, what they're thinking is making them feel, it becomes a lot more personal for them. They've let you into their world, um, okay. as opposed to trying to fit into your world. Mm, okay. Mm -hmm. Which are generally like the artists we talked about, right? Yes. Yeah. The individual okay. the artist. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, type five is when they say, I don't know. And this is a really big thing for a type five. Mm. And I believe I am a secondary type five. Like if I wasn't a nine, I feel like I would be a five. <laughs> Self-diagnosed. <Okay>. Because <laughs> type fives are so, they want to know why everything works and they want to have the answers for everything. And so when they don't have the answers for everything, and they tell you, oh, I don't actually know. Not only are they opening themselves up to criti criticism, they're also saying, hey, maybe I don't have the answers for everything. And maybe I'm okay feeling safe with you knowing that I don't have the answers for mm -hmm. everything too. And this is also, they're the researcher. They are the, the time. So it's analyze. like hard for them because they generally can research and find the answer, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. They're like the fountains of information. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Type six is when they begin to trust you, full stop. Type sixes do not let people into their worlds very easily because they're not sure if you're going to hurt them or damage them or, you know, speak into something that they don't necessarily feel like is yours to speak into. But when they begin to trust you, then it's a completely different um, tone. And I think one of the biggest things you can realize is when, when a type six feels that they can trust you they're going to actually ask you questions about things. They're going to be open to hearing your your voice on things. They're going to be open to maybe not feeling safe doing something with you because um, they are the loyalist. And so once you're in with the six, it's like you're in for the long haul, you know? Okay. That was going to be my question. So it's like hard for them to trust you, but once they actually do, it's like you're in. But what about if they are exposed to people that are untrustworthy is it kind of hard for them to then notice that and like take that trust back are they kind of getting taken advantage of because it took them so long to get to that point yes I think definitely um and type sixes they have <laughs> type sixes and type eights have such good bs radars um okay <laughs> like they're gonna know immediately hey yeah. something's wrong here yeah. and figure that out um the unfortunate thing is there are going to be a lot of people in the world. They're going to say one thing, do something else. There's mean one thing and do hear something else, you know, all, yeah. all of the things. And I think for just for every type in general, we have to understand that there's a disconnect between what we hear based on our framework and what somebody else is saying based on their framework. And that again, goes back to the whole dissonance with speaking your truth, because what you say 
is going to come from your personal experience versus what I hear is going to come from my personal experience and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with type sixes, I think that's really important to keep in mind is yes, there are always going to be those people that are not necessarily out to hurt them, but that are going to irregardless because we're all humans right. <laughs> and we're all flawed, even though we are all beautiful. And so, um, yeah, I think having that vulnerability and, and understanding on both sides is such a huge deal. Okay. <clears throat> and then would you say that there's, cause I just, the sixes are just so intriguing to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't actually know if I know anyone that's a six. Maybe that's why, because I think most of these I might, maybe not the five, but I feel like I might know people for all the other ones. So that's why I feel like sixes are just like so mysterious. But is that just when it comes to people? Does that come to things in general? Like, you know, if they're like, they're someone trying to sell them on a product or it's like a, like, are they think, are they like also like the conspiracy theorists? Like, does it come to like all different types of like things? I think just in general, I have one friend, maybe two. Yeah, I have two friends that are sixes. One of them I never see. So when we do, we have really good conversations. But the other one I see probably three to four times a week. She's one of my best friends. And I remember during lockdowns here, we had phone calls that were like five to six hours some days just talking about all the different things. Um, And actually took a lot of her insights when I was writing type six. Um, Mm because she's an extremely healthy type six. And I think when we're talking about um, just the levels of how functioning and operation works mentally, she has done a lot of work to think, okay, like how do I get outside the box and how do I think about this? Whereas like, I think a lot of type sixes generally graduate, graduate, generally gravitate. That was, the word that, was a, that was kind of hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> what do I say? <laughs> they gravitate towards like, being the conspiracy theorist, um, my mom's wing six came in hard during during the pandemic because she was like, oh, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And maybe this is a thing. And maybe this is at the root of everything. And the reality is, is like, we will never know <laughs> mm-hmm. everything that we assume that we want to know. Um, mm-hmm. Unless you're type five. I digress. I kid. <laughs> um we're never going to know these kind of things. And so when you've got like a wing six, wing five combination, I think it's actually really, really difficult because. Yeah. I was just thinking that like if you're a Mm. six wing or five, yeah, that seems crazy. Okay. That combination is wacky because (laughs) not wacky in like a terrible way, but wacky in like these people know what they're talking about. Like professor PhD kind of vibes. Like they know what they are talking about because you've got the five side which is like let me study and understand everything and then you've got Mm -hmm. the six side that's like let me troubleshoot everything as well yeah so you've got the thinking side but then you've also got the fixing side ah okay interesting okay so yeah generally speaking to answer that long answer to a short question they do fall more into the trap of maybe not everything is okay but they have to mentally dig themselves out of that space do the work to dig themselves out of that space and realize that 99% of the people in the world didn't wake up this morning to hurt them. Mm, okay. Yeah. And if they do, it's not purposeful. Those are the sociopaths. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and all the sociopaths said amen. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Um, yeah. I love, I think, yeah. I hope everybody who's listening understands sixes a little bit more. Because I feel like they kind of drift into the woodwork. And I know... The sixes in my world are always like, I'm the Instagram stereotype of like worried about everything and like concerned about all of these things going on. And it's like, there's so much more to them that we just don't understand. And, um, because they are, they are a head type, like they're very analytical and they're right yeah. there in the middle. Of it. Like, um, I don't want to treat it like a science project, but I almost want to have like a six come on with us. And I'm just like, you know, that they're, they feel like they're the stereotypical, like Enneagram. And then I can just say like, I'm misunderstood like we can just have like a powwow you know we can all like we're all misunderstood people let's talk about it (laughs) which I mean in some in some instances I'm sure like all the types are right because it's like that's how we have this kind of like better understand everyone which is why I'm sure you said it's like important not to type people because we know our desires and fears like we're gonna know our types more than like anybody else is just hanging out with us yeah 
Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that's a big thing. But also I think that's what's so strange is that those types that are like, if you're the same type as somebody else, they're like family. You know how we talked about how family are a little bit more, they know us the best, but they also know how to push our buttons the best. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. So yeah. So if you're, mm. for example, hanging out with another type eight, and guys, I don't know if I know any. Well, I mean, I'm sure I do, but I don't know that they're eights now that I think about it. I think that's because you wing nine a little bit more. Potentially, you were saying, like, because you are a little bit more of a, like, it seems to me you're a little bit gentler of a type eight. You're not necessarily, okay. like, this is yeah. the way to get on board with yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but that could be something to do with it. But if you're, like, hanging out with another type eight, for example, and you're both really healthy, nobody's really concerned about being overly controlling everything. Mm-hmm. Um you still are going to know everything about the other person to a certain extent. Like you're going to know what they're motivated by. You're going to know what their fears right. are. You're going to know, obviously in their own context, it's completely different from person to person, but you're still going to have a general idea of how the other person functions. Okay. And so that's why when I run into other nines, I'm like, oh my gosh, you get it. Like, hi, we can we can understand each other a little bit more. And like, if I say, okay, cool. Like I'm going to need to just have some chill time this afternoon. You're going to be like, Oh, I totally understand. Yeah. Like, I'm, yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So you have to a certain extent, you have the advantage because you know a little bit more about why the other person operates the way they do. Yeah. But on the other hand, you also have the ability to really manipulate that. The risk. So yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know how to push their buttons. Cause all you're going to do is like push, push them in the way that you know you would get pushed right exactly yeah okay yeah. oh yeah makes it a little tricky sometimes so I'm now it's like makes me wonder like what a, the most dynamic balanced friendship group just be if there was just like one of every type <laughs> Ooh, that could be or really- would that or would that just call I, like I know you said that there was like a discussion you saw it was like a couple but I'm just wondering if there was like literally one of each like if that would be a very dynamic group or would it just be like no one's understanding the other one that would be an interesting panel I feel like if you were able to get like nine people on all different types Mm -hmm. and then give them one topic to discuss you would have like a range of different opinions on it let's do it but if you kind of let them loose I don't know how it would go yeah (laughs) let's do it (laughs) if the the audience can see me here at all I'm just going to put a poll on my Instagram and say, like, tell me your number, like, don't ask questions and then put them all together. No context necessary, but right. why don't you? <laughs> Typical eight behavior. <laughs> okay. It's fine. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, let me go back into my wing nine. Going back. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. <laughs> Let's talk about the wing seven. So going to wing seven's vulnerability or type seven's vulnerability, (laughs) I think what they do is they'll tell you then something is hurting them, which I mean, if we know the sevens, like we, like we think we know the sevens now, they want to be on the go. They want to know, like they want to avoid pain. So if they're going to stop in their lives and say, Hey, what you said hurt me, or this aspect of my life makes me feel in pain right now, they're really opening themselves up to Mm. conversation about things they probably don't really want to talk about or haven't taken time to talk about before. Um, does that make sense about the sevens? Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking about how, how great this lunch would be. If it was like, your mom's seven, I'm an eight, you're a nine. Like we, we already ah. have like a third of the like panel here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Very keen. Um, type eight vulnerability. When they show you what makes their heart tick, because I'd say type eights are quite protective of themselves They don't necessarily want to wear their hearts on their sleeves most of the time. Um, And so when they let somebody into an extent where they're like, no, this is, this is me. That's when they're most vulnerable. Okay. What do you think? What are your thoughts? I'm trying, I'm trying to under, do you have like any, I mean, I I guess it's pretty like self-explanatory. I guess I'm trying to think about an example or like how I might do that. I, I don't feel one way or another because I'm trying to think of exactly how I would do it. Yeah. So for example, let's say that, um, well, let's talk about you and your boyfriend, for example. When did you know that you guys would start pursuing a relationship? I don't know how long you've been together. Like, I have no context on this. Um, Three years. I would say, like, when did I know it was, like, serious? Yeah. When did you know it was serious? Hmm. 
I would say, I mean, it kind of things really pushed our relationship to craziness with the pandemic. Mm. Um, but I had a lot of, I don't want to say a lot, but I had like some health issues that were like very um, stressful mm. for me. So although we were already pretty serious before that, I feel like that really let me like see um, the dynamic of our relationship, like how supportive he was and like mm-hmm. him doing research, like more, almost felt like more than I was, you know, like stuff like that. I feel like really was just like, okay, yeah. Like I, I've never been a person to, like, I've had friends where they're, you know, they're dating someone and then they're thinking like, is this guy talking to other girls? Like, that's a thought they have. I've never been like the, is he talking to other girls? It's just like, do they feel the same way I feel kind of thing, you know? So I feel yeah, like that kind of made that. me, yeah, that kind of made me think like, okay, if he was just like, oh, I'm just, you know, killing time or whatever, like, you're not going to be sitting there researching like my illness and like, here's how we can, you know, this is a treatment you can do. Like, that's the last thing on your mind. I think that yeah. kind of just really helped me feel like I'm not doing the bulk of like, I don't say the bulk of the work because I knew he wasn't doing that, but like, it just helped me see like his, his heart in the mm-hmm. relationship. Yeah. yeah, it kind of like felt like you were being taken care of instead of doing all the taking care. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's like, that's probably like a prime example and props to him for making sure that you're well. I think that's such a huge thing. Yeah. But type eights are very, they can be very sturdy on their own. They don't need somebody else to function for them or with them or anything. And so yeah. when you have someone who's able to come into your life as a friend or, you know, as a potential romantic partner, then, um, I think the massive thing is when you're opening yourself up to vulnerability, you're opening yourself up to being taken care of and knowing that you can function very well on your own, but choosing to let somebody else in there to function with you um, beyond coexisting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense then too, because it's like, you want to know that, like I said, like that situation, (laughs) that situation, no, you're fine. That situation really like I said, really showed that there was like passion behind something. So, and maybe that's also like an LA thing. Like you feel like people aren't super, I feel like people aren't super genuine, you know? So like whenever you're having a conversation with someone, it's just like, they're just waiting to find an opportunity to like pounce on like, how can this benefit me? It's like, everything's like a networking opportunity. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I, to a small degree, I can almost relate to that just because of like my podcast where it's not like I'm like, oh, how can I make money from this person? I just like if I were to meet you out and we were like had mutual friends, I'm like, oh, she's like really cool to talk to. And she knows about the Enneagram. She'd be great to like have on the podcast. But it's not like, mm-hmm. how can I make this a business transaction? How can I like take something from her, you know? Um, exactly. But I feel like maybe that is a, a big part of it because it's always just like, and I feel like I've had a lot of those situations where someone wasn't as genuine as I thought they were. So that's mm-hmm. a big reason why I have that guard up. And then once that person's in, which I kind of do that, I guess, with like the six does too, like once you're in, you're good. And I don't want to say, I don't think it's like me getting taken advantage of, but we all have our moments where like, we're not our most healthy self, you know? So when someone yeah, does seem to like kind of take advantage of me, like it might not be intentional or they're just like going through something. I am always trying to see like, we all are who we are based on like our lived experiences, you know? So sometimes it's like, oh, this person, like, you know, they might be acting a certain way, but also I just know what happens to them last week and I'm going to try to give them grace. And like, I have to sometimes throw that line of like not getting taken advantage of because someone might have a situation that's like really putting them through something and I can want to be there for them. But also it's like, how much are you there for them? Where like, then it's becoming toxic for you. Yes. I think that's Mm -hmm. where like my, like finding that line is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so good. I love so much of what you had to say there. Yeah. It's such a huge difference. And I think your own point of frame, point of view slash frame of reference when you're meeting people or, or even hanging out with people, um, bringing that in is, Mm -hmm. is massive. And I completely agree with the whole thing about LA being the way that it is. Yeah. Not really sure why it is. There's not so much. And it's, again, it's your BS radar. (laughs) That's like, (laughs) hold on a second. Yeah. Yeah. You say that you are. And that plays a lot into why you are the way you are. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. maybe self-preservation wouldn't be so high if you didn't live in LA. Maybe if you like lived in the middle of Missouri, I don't know. <laughs> 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 it wouldn't be as 
it wouldn't be as high. But again, everything is so interesting because everything fits together. Everything works together, yeah. whether we realize it or not. So yeah, yeah, it's funny because I'm like, I know I'm gonna be promoting this on Instagram, but I think of like, like everybody nowadays, they don't ask for people's phone numbers. They're just like, what is your Instagram? What do you what What do you mean? I like, hate. <laughs> I I I hate it. Like I don't. <laughs> It's so bad. So when I, and then when I have people like that, I, I view as my actual friends and they don't text me and they just send me an Instagram. Like, Hey, I've been thinking about you. How are you? I might not see that message for like three weeks. And if I'm you, not gonna if you actually, <laughs> yeah, at minimum three weeks. Yeah. And it's like, if you know me, you already know this. So are you really trying to see how I am? If you're going to send me a message, ask me how I am that I might not see for a month. It's not. And honestly, yeah. there's always that like, so I didn't see it, but then I see you like three days later and you're like, you didn't respond. I'm like, I didn't see it. Like yeah. I have notifications turned off on socials for yeah. a reason. But when like, I did see you, you also didn't ask how I was. You just said like, I didn't see your message. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so many, so many room for error. So much room for errors. <laughs> I love these like tangents though. It's great. Cause I feel like it's all like, as I'm, as I listen to other podcasts, I start having these same thoughts. So I hope that the audience is like engaging in this with us in their own, I, I hope their so own way. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, they turned it off a while back, but I'm, I'm okay. Same way, yeah. <laughs> I feel like by this episode, if they don't already know and they're not expecting this, like we have bigger problems. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> oh, man. Type nines. Type when nine. I'm feeling vulnerable, I'm going to completely disagree with you and I'm going to do it openly, which is a really difficult thing for me to do. Because um, When so you actually disagree, though, not like just to disagree with people right? No, no. Okay. <laughs> that was me yesterday. I was hangry. I was running on probably six hours of sleep and somebody was like, you're really prickly today. And I was like, really? Let's talk about it. Why do you think I feel prickly? <laughs> I'm in my prime right now. What are you referring to? <laughs> <laughs> Surely you can see that I'm thriving. <laughs> like, uh, no, I think like when I'm disagreeing on like, a heart subject or if I'm like oh I can see that for you but maybe have you thought about it this way um there's a lot more grace but remember nines want everybody to feel welcome they don't want people to feel judged and so I think when they come to a certain place in time where they're like you know what I don't like that you're gossiping about this person it's not fair it doesn't make sense let's talk about it there's gonna be there's room for vulnerability because yeah. I'm not I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie like I love that everybody talks to me about everything everybody talks to me about everything like I am the big sister. I am the mom. Like I love yeah. it. But I also have a very high empathy rate. And so I will take everything on that people say to me and then I will go home and think about it and sit on it for the next three days, mm. <laughs> which is something that I'm still learning how to control. Yeah. Um, and so when I'm in those situations and everything in me wants to be like, Oh, I understand you. Like I see you, you're, you're valid in these things. And I, I will, but then I'm like, girl, we've been talking about the same guy for six months now and he's still not doing anything. Like, what about that? Like, that right. is really hard for me to do. Okay. But it will also create such movement because it's like, oh, Sierra doesn't normally do that. So maybe this is actually a really serious thing. Yeah. So like if she's it actually doing used- it, this is actually serious. Okay. Yeah. So you, it can be used to my advantage. Um, but I also know that it, it opens me up for critic critic criticism yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> ah. yeah okay so that actually is a really great way to lead me into my next question which is like how do our seasons of life factor into our types in play like is it like I know we have these wings and we can kind of have both of them right it's like one at different times instead of at the same time but how does that play a role? Maybe we also tie in like when you're your your healthy version of yourself versus your unhealthy version of yourself. Yeah. I think we'll have seasons obviously as like young adults or even teenagers, like the whole idea of spontaneous versus planned. Um, mm. And then seasons where we grow into couples or being single and then seasons when we grow into parenthood and then grandparenthood, et cetera, like that's a long ways off, but you know, or we'll be like very career oriented and grow our baby business from the ground up, or we'll just be in survival mode. Like a lot of us were the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, but I think recognizing consciously where we are in that moment in that season specifically, mm-hmm. um, I don't know about you for me, like my seasons are literal. So like every autumn 
when it comes around, I'm like, okay, like, I don't know why this just feels like a very renewing space for me. And it's always felt that way. Hmm. Um, for probably since I was maybe 10 and I recognized that, oh, like the seasons are going faster. Like the year goes fast. Like I'm changing my mental, my mental space towards time changed right when I was like nine or 10 years old. Um, and I think that like actually recognizing, okay, this is, this feels like the beginning of a new chapter. This feels like the closing of an old chapter and like seeing, okay, like I'm in a new season. How am I going to adopt and adapt myself to this new season? It's going to be a huge huge game changer when it comes to recognizing how, how you're going to play quote unquote with other people. Yeah. Um, And there are going to be seasons where we're dealing with a lot of external factors. Um, and I would love to talk about knowing how our type stances work. Um, so there are three stances got, I mentioned the withdrawn stance a couple of times because I think it's one of the more, um, not necessarily noticeable ones, but definitely the ones that people notice the most about okay. you. Um, so it's not something that you can technically look at um, and say, oh, that person is withdrawing, but you're going to feel the emptiness as they withdraw. Got Does that it. make sense? Yeah. Okay. So you've got the aggressive stance, the dependent stance, and the withdrawn stance. You can probably guess which types fall into the aggressive stance. <laughs> Ooh, you got I almost want to guess, but right. are they are they all together? Like, mm, No, they are they're all together. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm going to, I really want to guess this. So you got this. (laughs) You can just, you want to just tell me if I'm wrong one by one. I won't keep guessing. I'll just like, okay. I'm going to guess that the perfectionist is the aggressive. Mm -mm. Okay. I'm already starting off wrong. All right. The, I'm going to say type two is the dependent. Yeah. Good job. Okay. I was, I was torn between that and withdrawn. Okay. Type three is going to be the aggressive. Yep. Type four is the withdrawn. Yeah. Ooh. Type five is the, type five is the aggressive. Mm -mm. Nope. Okay. So I got one and five wrong. Type six, I'm going to say is the dependent. Yes. Type seven, withdrawn? No. Okay. People that's... think withdrawn. It's not yeah, actually. it's probably the aggressive, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I hate to guess the type eights. I, I want it to be dependent, but maybe it's aggressive. I don't want it to be. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't want it to be dependent, but it's, I don't know. I guess it depends on how, how these all kind of intertwine. And then the peacemaker I'm going to guess is dependent. Ah, okay. Very close. Okay. So yes, you got all of those except for the one and the one falls into the dependent, which is quite shocking. Um, Ah. I'll tell you why in just a second. The five falls into withdrawn and the nine also falls into withdrawn. Um, That was okay. Yeah. I knew that like five and nine weren't going to be aggressive, but I'm very intrigued how one, you said one is withdrawn or no, one is dependent. One is dependent. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we'll start with dependent. Dependent is really, it's way less bold, way less assertive than the aggressive types. And they rely more on the relationships around them to achieve what they want in life. So if you're looking at like the type ones, um, stance of dependency, which again is not necessarily one that people would call out and be like, Oh, that is a dependent stance. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think it honestly works a lot with the fact that they're in two. They have a lot of attachment to two as well, which is also a dependent stance, but ones are also like very reliant on the way relationships work around them. They want everything to be right, but they also, because they want everything to be right, they want everything to work together. And so because they're dependent on other people to make them work together, that is why they fall into the dependent stance. Does that Mm -hmm. kind of make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. Same thing goes for the two. Same thing goes for the six. The six is always relying on other people to make sure that, because they're the loyalist. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Whereas like the aggressive stance, we've got three, seven, and eight. I think you've got, oh, you got three and eight. Yeah. So I was like, you got all these ones. You didn't quite get all these ones. Yeah. You got most of them, which was pretty cool. That means you actually have a really good grasp on everything. I'm, I'm learning. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so the aggressive stance, as you probably guessed, they're very bold. They're very assertive to get what they want um, done. Achieve the goal if you're a three, get what they desire out of something. Seven and eight, again, so if you look at one and two, 
independent, seven and eight in aggressive, and four and five in the withdrawn. There are always two numbers specifically that are kind of connected. Um, oh, right. So there is a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. So they're aggressive in the sense that they know what they want. They're going to get it done. They're going to verbalize it. It's just the way the types are. Whoa. So this is, so can you explain to me then, like I'm looking at, actually this would be your type, for example, where you're in the, and I don't know how much this plays into the wings, but like if your nine would be withdrawn, right. And then depending on if you're a wing eight or a one, you'd be in the aggressive Mm -hmm. or dependent. How does that all go together? Yeah. So it's kind of, it's funny because again, your things change as you, as you move into things. So honestly, like there will be days where I'm like yesterday, (laughs) I just happened to be a bit more aggressive in just the way I was communicating things. I was sassy. I was totally flirtatious because I'm a little bit more of a naturally flirtatious person, but I really felt it all coming out yesterday. Um, Mm. and it was really funny because I was like, Nope, today's the day. This is what I need to get done. This is what I, this is what I need to accomplish. And everybody, you're just kind of along for the ride today. (laughs) Right. Uh, and so that would come out. Whereas like generally, so does that mean you were a nine? Like if you're, a, was, you're, when you're a wing, you're always your main number. And then you just also take on a wing. Right. So does yeah. that mean yesterday you were withdrawn, but you also had like an, an eight, like an aggressive wing at the same time? Or is that not how so I was utilizing a massive aspect of my type three because I was in my security point and then also my wing eight. So both of those were really oh. coming in there because three is also an aggressive stance and that's where my security is as an that's based on that diagram right so that's how you yeah. can get over to the three got yes. it you okay. still need to spend your way <laughs> yeah. I have it to do today. we're gonna have that in the notes for sure okay yeah um right. so that's gonna have a lot to do with that and then the same thing goes for like the way the withdrawn stance works that's pretty self-explanatory they basically they're not necessarily introverted but they feel like they get the best of themselves done when they had the chance to be by themselves. So again, if you think about five, like making sure that they have their space to to study and understand what's going on when you have the fours, like needing to be by themselves because they love being in their quote unquote mind palace. And then the nines being by themselves because they need to actually recharge and recuperate from um, taking on everybody's, <laughs> everybody else's stuff for the day, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. And so, yeah, they are all very interconnected. Like you're going to have wings in certain stances and you're going to have stress and security in certain stances. So they, they do change every so often. But yeah, I think um, when we're taking that in, there are going to be seasons of life with where we deal with all those external factors and all those internal factors and stress and security. And I think um, you need to know how to connect with yourself, with others. You can't be an individual purely for the sake of, of being an individual or your life is just going to be a revolving door, you know, yeah, at that point in time. Right. So you may as well recognize in each season, what stance you're in based on your wing, based on your stress and security as mm-hmm. well, and kind of function and flow from there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So actually this is a really good question to end with. So how do we recognize the unhealthy parts of our type and then use them for good? I think coming back to your levels of stress and security, um, Okay. Or growth child heart points because they all work together. You don't necessarily want to be stressed, but you also recognize that the stress builds your capacity, as we mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the power to remove yourself from a situation. Um, and I always tell the gals that I talk relationships with that they're actually the ones calling the shots in the relationship, whether the guy knows it or not. Because <laughs> okay. um, they're not taking the fault for everything that happens that they don't like, but they're still the ones in charge of themselves in the first place, which I think is something that we always forget about ourselves is that ultimately things that happen are completely out of control. That mm-hmm. or Things that happen that are completely out of control, we can't do anything about. Things that other people do, we can't do anything about. Mm-hmm. Um you're in charge of you, you're in charge of your own emotions, you're in charge of your own um, logic and way you analyze things, your own behavior, your own attitude. And the moment that you say, well, this person made me do something, you're giving them the power. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so if you want to be able to protect yourself and also recognize how the unhealthy parts of your Enneagram work, um, I think a lot of it has to do with taking the power back and recognizing that, um, you're not removing yourself from every situation, expecting it to be terrible once someone slips up and makes a mistake, but yeah. recognizing that, again, I, can, I think we said this earlier, but love me in my weakness is such a huge part of this. Um, knowing that some people are not going to be healthy during certain seasons of our lives. Um, mm. We're going to want to be healthy all the time, but then there are some things that operate that are out of our control, like 
a global pandemic. <laughs> right. Or like, I don't know, like, I don't know if flights getting canceled or borders getting closed or certain aspects of things. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that you can control is how you're able to function. And if you're in a space where maybe you need some time away from other people, you take that time away. You yeah. figure out, okay, how do I get healthy again? I think making sure that your health is priority is going to flow naturally into all the other areas of your life. Um, so recognizing the unhealthy parts, know what your stresses are, know what your triggers are outside of the Enneagram. And then utilize yeah. what you know about your type in the Enneagram to help you function and move yourself from that unhealthy type back into your security zone, back into your heart child point. Mm. Mm-hmm. Deep. Okay. <laughs> um, I, this was great. Thank you so much for coming on. And I, like we covered so much, so many different elements of the Enneagram that I did not even know existed. And I can't wait to read your book. Like I'm really, really looking forward to this. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited. You can find this book pretty much wherever books are sold. I know they do also have it on Amazon, Kindle, IndieBound. Barnes and Noble, pretty much anywhere. If you're looking for links specifically, I think we still have that in the episode notes for this. Um, But yeah, so basically the book is, it's been kind of a journey. Did not ever see this one coming, Um, but very excited for people to be reading it. Basically, this is not necessarily, I I laugh because I first told my publisher, I was like, can we please have like beginner's guide to the Enneagram? They were like, no, it's a complete approach. So here we are with a complete approach to the Enneagram. Mm. So what happens is basically I will um, dig very deeply into each personality type, but then after we talk about each personality type, we have like a subchapter of sorts. So we're going to talk about home, love, work, play, kind of the things that we've talked about in each of these episodes, but on a much more in-depth level. So if we're thinking type one, we've got the advanced version of type one plus type one at home, type one at work, type one in love, type one in play. Um... And so once you learn about yourself, you're able to better learn about how you function in those four facets of your life. But then after you read your type, well, hopefully <laughs> you read your type, you're able to go in and to read other people's types as well. Yeah. Um, and then learning about your friends, learning about your loved ones. And I think it's one of the best resources psychologically, the Enneagram in general, we've talked about this. But um, if you're wanting to learn and dig more into it, it's all about self-improvement. So I think if anything else, if nothing else, I would hope that it gives you the confidence you need to fully function and fully understand who you are as well as the people um, around you move forward into being your truest, most authentic self, because I think that's the most important part of living a really full and whole life. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because in this book, since it's a complete guide, it's not like what you mentioned, you're not, it's, it's self-improvement, but you're also getting to learn about other types, better communication, better relationships. So by being a better, your better self, you're also going to, you're going to become a better version of you by learning how to interact with other people. So that that's a very important takeaway. Everybody that's listening, that's going to get your book. Like they know they're not going to go in, look for their type, just read it and then put the book on the shelf. Like there's so much that you're going to gain from the entire book. (laughs) Yeah. Please don't. I do recognize like reading about yourself is very daunting. And I remember when I was first reading about how I was a nine, it was actually a little bit of a painful experience because I felt quite called out. Um, So Mm. there is a bit of a focus on recognizing the weaknesses that are common to each personality type. Hopefully it's not too, too harsh, (laughs) but these are the root causes. Like if you're going to do something, I'm always like, take it out from the root. Like if you're going to take out certain aspects of yourself, start at the root because otherwise you're just kind of trimming, trimming the weeds as you go. Um, And then when you're able to actually pull things out of the root, you're able to fully overcome them on the path of, of growth eventually as well. So we have the strengths, we have the securities, but we also have the weaknesses and the strengths of each number. So if you're reading your own type, you feel completely called out, don't disregard the other types. And also I would say probably don't go into the book expecting that you're one type, unless you've already like thoroughly researched this and you know this about yourself, because Mm -hmm. there have also been quite a few friends, specifically ones and threes, which I always laugh at. Ah. because it's quite similar there have always been those friends that um who thought they were a one the majority of their lives they thought they were threes of the majority of their lives and then they actually were able to really dig very deeply into maybe certain aspects of each of the other types and they're like oh wait I'm not actually a one I'm a three or oh I'm not actually a three I'm a one Mm -hmm. Um, 
and vice versa, and that goes for other types as well. So unless you're 150% positive, really go in with an open mind, and for the love of God, please do not just read your type and then be done. <laughs> yeah, and I'm gonna call you in a few you're weeks. Out on everything. <laughs> I'm gonna call you in a few weeks and say, I just realized I'm actually not an eight after like all these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> But something you mentioned, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, something you mentioned that I really see how good of a point that is, is you're saying like, this could be very um, like daunting for someone. You're gonna have to get really vulnerable. That goes back to a point you just mentioned of, you know, when you said, even if you feel, or like the, even if you feel or the guy feels like he's in the power like has the power in the relationship, mm-hmm. right? Or in any situation, yeah, you still have the power because you choose how you react, right? And- 100%. Doing something like this and like getting vulnerable here, like I feel like you kind of have to do that in order to realize like you still have some power there. You have to find out where your weaknesses are in order to like maintain your power. So I think that's a really, really great way to actually do that. That is so well said. And put in the work, people. Like we can't say... I'm such an advocate for like therapy and counseling and things of that sort, because I'm like, Mm -hmm. look, if you're, if you want to be better, then take steps to be better. Don't say I'm going to be better and then do nothing about it. Yeah. And whether that's like reading and making yourself aware or listening to podcasts, for example, or, um, I don't know, some other form of self-education, going on a walk, going to the gym, like whatever you need to do to get yourself into reading Sarah's book. Yeah. Read my book, you know? (laughs) read a book yeah <laughs> no right, read, a book. Yeah. read a book in general I always laugh because someone in my life always is like they always said leaders are readers and I'm like yeah but <laughs> so people don't like to read so respect that too <laughs> I, I know it's like I love to it's funny like I can sometimes finish a book in like two days and other times it's like oh it's been two years and I've gotten through two chapters I think I just like I'm always on the go so that's how I got I've gotten big on podcasts I love podcasts they are the yeah. game changer I think we're also looking into potentially having um, someone read this eventually, like creating it into an audiobook, depending on how well things go. So if you're more of an audiobook person, there is a chance that that will be on the table eventually, fingers crossed. Um, But yeah, I think more about, because the Enneagram is so old, it's ancient, it it dates way back, um, knowing how to adopt it as a modern human being and human becoming, as I like to say, because we're not there yet. Um, It's such a huge it's going to make such a huge difference. And I really hope, and um, I really hope that it, it makes a big difference in your life too. Yeah. Oh, this is great. Yeah. I can't wait for, I hope, I hope everybody listening goes out and gets the book. I'm so excited. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. Thanks again for coming on. This has been great. I'd love to have you back for a follow-up episode and like maybe get some more questions from our listeners and from the readers to see what they think. And just, I'm sure it's a complete guide, but there may be some questions out there that maybe people either can't find in the book or that they might have, you know, over time, maybe how to handle specific situations. So I think that would yeah. also be really cool. Lana, thank you so much for having me. It has been such a pleasure and just a joy to talk to you all about all this thank stuff. You. Yeah, have me back anytime. I'm looking forward to our next conversation already.